expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the top news stories from around the island over the past seven days. I'm Keith Manconi of ICRT News. Joining me in studio today is Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Gavin. Good evening. And also in studio with us today is Che Ting Ye of Kedagalan Media, which is a, a U.S.-based media organization uh, covering Taiwan and other stories from around the world. And so usually uh, we're talking to Ting uh, via Skype, but uh, today we're lucky enough to have you in studio. So, uh, Ting, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Today on the show, uh, we've just got a ton of topics to get to. It's uh, been one of those weeks where there really haven't been any huge stories dominating the headlines, so there's just a lot of little ones that we're going to kind of try to run through as uh, fast as we can. So instead of doing our usual uh, thing where we uh, preview the stories, I'm actually just going to talk about the stories we didn't have time to fit in. Uh, There's going to be two obvious omissions today. First, uh, the AT-3 Air Force Academy training aircraft that went missing earlier this week. Uh, We won't have time for that. Uh, I'll just note that at the time of this recording, which is, you know, midday on Friday, still hasn't been located. Hopefully that information isn't obsolete by the time of the broadcast. And uh, we're also not going to have time for the big news uh, that came out this morning that Taiwan's central bank has decided to lower the interest rate for the first time in about six and a half years. Uh, Although in that case, uh, I guess I have to admit it's not so much that we don't have time for it as... Our economics correspondents are not on hand today to bail us out, and uh, nobody wants to hear my unlearned opinion on it. Uh, I think uh, Gavin is okay with skipping this as well. Yeah, I, I, it talks about money. I don't have any money, <laughs> so there you go. There, there we go. That's our, that's our very astute take on the matter. There you have it. Uh, so instead of diving into that one, we're going to just skip right ahead uh, to international affairs and uh, starting that off with... The visit by Chinese President Xi Jinping, who is set to meet with U.S. President Barack Obama later today. And Taiwan is closely monitoring the proceedings for any indication of a shift in either country's cross-strait policy. Uh, Earlier this week, former American Institute in Taiwan Chairman Richard Bush was predicting that the Chinese side is likely to make Taiwan a major issue during the talks. So the U.S. may be under some amount of pressure during these proceedings. Although U.S. officials so far are insisting there has been no change on their end. Uh, Ting, uh, what, what, what do you see coming out of this? Uh, do you think that Taiwan is going to play big in these talks? I've also heard from other sources, for example, uh, Professor Paris Chang, a former DPP legislator, um, he mentioning that uh, Taiwan will be a big topic in these talks. Um, I've heard that the... Uh, the Chinese side is looking to make demands for uh, on the Obama administration to stop arms sales to Taiwan and to also prevent a uh, DPP um, administration from coming to power. Um, my personal take, and I uh, sort of agree with, um, and the Heritage Foundation <clears throat> sort of agree with this take as well, is um, it's it, it's hard to it's hard for China not to bring up these uh, demands. I think it would be a bigger news if somehow these demands went away and was not present in any sort of a U.S.-China dialogue. But um, it seems to me it's a, more of a pro forma type mm-hmm. situation. Um, for example, the arms sales that's uh, regulated by the Taiwan Relations Act. So it's not something that President Obama or any president, in uh, any American president, can unilaterally 
uh, decide to mm-hmm. change because of the Taiwan Relations Act, right? Which we would need a congressional mm-hmm. amendment to for the to amend the law, and mm-hmm. you know, instead of talking to one president, you're talking to you know the majority of mm-hmm. the majority of uh, members of Congress. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes it much harder. Um, but I think the takeaway for me actually is. Um, I mean, everybody's looking to a TPP administration starting uh, sometime starting next year. Uh, how will China react to that? Um, mm-hmm. How will the U.S. react to that? Um, how does uh, the TPP administration handle um, these changes in cross-race relations and in U.S. Taiwan uh, in the U.S.-China relations? Mm. So I think that's uh, definitely something that's worth thinking about. So do you think that uh, the uh, these proceedings coming up may give a first indication of how China may handle uh, a DPP victory? It may. Uh, I personally don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess that they were w- waiting to see what the TPP actually does mm-hmm. after they come to power. Although uh, it is likely that they will try to sort of prep the ground, set things up, mm-hmm. and say, of course, we uh, would rather not see the DPP come to power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that they will tight- tighten the screws just a little bit, even if it's on the poor forma t- mm-hmm. level. But you're saying that they get that the U.S. President Barack Obama doesn't have a lot of latitude in these areas. Uh, That's right. All right. So uh, just looking ahead a little bit, she is arriving in Washington. He may already be there by the time this broadcasts uh, for a working dinner at the White House. And then later, uh, he will hold a joint news conference with Obama, meet congressional leaders and attend a state dinner. So that is coming up soon. And uh, next week, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to say about what happened at these events. But for right now, this is just setting the stage, just a little bit of speculation to get things going. So going to have to wait and see. Up next, sticking with international news, uh, as we are for this whole first half. Uh, Next up, it's been about a week now since Japan's parliament passed two controversial security bills. Uh, The new regulations will give the Japanese government the power to send its military into overseas conflicts to defend allies for the first time since World War II. It's a move that is widely seen to be aimed at counterbalancing a more assertive China in regional security. And as such, uh, it has, in fact, uh, been welcomed by many in Taiwan, but uh, not all. Gavin, what have uh, people been saying this week? Well, the DPP hasn't said very much. In fact, the DPP's presidential candidate, Tsai Ing-wen, simply said the bills will impact the region, but how they impact the region remain to be seen, and her party will simply continue to follow developments, which really is a whole lot of nothing when you see what I mean. However, the KMT's candidate has, of course, taken the KMT's line with that, and Hong Shou Chu told reporters that... She actually expressed regret. She said, I have regret and concerns over Japan's two... She called them war bills. Mm-hmm. Well, I, would have, I would have... Defense bills might be sort of a better word for her to use there, but never somewhat mind. Somewhat more inflammatory. And she actually said the Japanese government should rethink its decision. Mm. Um, why the Japanese government would rethink its decision because she says so is completely beyond me. But, of course, then she simply towed the KMT party line on the issue. Right. So how you interpret this move, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that how people in Taiwan think about this move uh, really breaks down along how you think about uh, Taiwan's relationship to China and how you think about Taiwan's relationship to Japan. So just who you see as Taiwan's better friend is kind of de- going to determine whether or not you like seeing a more assertive Japan. Uh, Ting, Which is well, something, of course, that's divided on party lines. Exactly. It's not something that people agree. Half of people are going to say this, the other half are going to say that. Yeah. And leading away is going to say a whole lot. Right. <laughs> a whole lot of people are going to disagree with him. That uh, that we can be rest assured about. Uh, 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 Ting, what do, what do you see coming out here? 
Um, I think this move is not. I mean, this is it's uh, it's been in the works uh, in Japan for some time, um, and we know uh, Prime Minister Abe is moving into this direction. Even though it was much more dramatic because it was kind of sprung on uh, the parliament in kind of a sneaky way, right? And uh, I, you know, in in Japan it is a controversial bill. Um, I don't think in I don't think people in Japan think is uh, thinking about Taiwan much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the U.S. to have any sort of military engagement in Taiwan in the Taiwan Strait, they need Japan's cooperation. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think this is definitely. I think it's a it's a move towards a uh, the right direction for Taiwan. Mm. Um, although, of course, um, it is uh, very clearly it's aimed at China. And so, mm-hmm. how will China react? Um, what is their? I mean, they have to respond in some way. Mm. And so, what is their response going to be? Uh, I think it should be quite interesting to see. All right. So uh, once again, we have even more international news to get to. So we're going to move quickly to the final story for this first half. And we're moving over to a story that stares cross-strait relations squarely in the face. Uh, China began issuing new electronic identification cards for cross-strait travel this Monday. And the move has met with a stern rebuke from Taiwan's government and positive fury from much of the public. Uh, Gavin, uh, this is a story that's kind of been with us for a little bit uh, since July, since uh, kind of a trial run of these cards was run. Uh, Can you explain to our listeners that haven't been following this uh, why this is such a controversial issue? Well, like you said, Keith, in July, Beijing announced these new IC cards. They're basically plastic cards, credit card-sized cards that have an IC chip, one of these smart chips in where Mm -hmm. people can store information about you, or so people say they can store information about you. That's the issue, of course, though, how much information they store about you. Anyway, in July, Beijing came out and said, we're going to do this, we're going to introduce them now, and everyone can test them, and everyone sort of went, oh, okay. And then, of course, in September, they said, we're going to do it properly. And they gave the Taiwan government 20 minutes notice of this. Not a lot of notice. That's one of the issues here. It's 20 minutes. (laughs) If you're in the fire brigade, you get about a second notice before the alarms go down. (laughs) Well, one could argue it was enough notice. But, of course, the government said 20 minutes was far too short a time notice to have these cards. It's far too short a time. And they kicked up a bit of a stink about it. Well, they didn't really kick up a stink about it. Then they simply aired their views about it and said, we'll talk to Beijing about it. Well, if they talked to Beijing about it, obviously Beijing had its earplugs in that day or its earbuds or whichever Beijing is using these days because it didn't listen. And of course this week it actually issued the card. Right, and so just the fundamental issue here, uh, these ID cards are controversial because it touches on issues of national sovereignty and Taiwan standing with relation because to China. They, the, the, another, the, along with the, the chip, which people are scared they'll put information on, they also sort of are very similar to the cards issued to Macau and Hong Kong right. citizens. So many in Taiwan would see this as a move that would kind yeah. of put Taiwan in the same box as those two uh Chinese special territories. Well, it's, I mean, you could argue that either, it's either whichever way your political bent goes, it's either encroaching on Republic of China sovereignty or Taiwan sovereignty. So basically, the cards irked both sides of the political spectrum in Taiwan. Right, and the government did, uh, I think this time around, issue a somewhat strong, more strongly worded uh, rebuke. Yeah, the government said it was extremely dissatisfied. I could think of a few words you could add to that if you were really dissatisfied, but the government, that is tax the government, tactfully said they're extremely dissatisfied about the lack of discussions prior to Beijing's issuance of these cards. And they have said that during the next round of... Um, cross-strait talks between the head of the Mainland Affairs Council and his Chinese counterpart from the Taiwan Affairs Office, the issue of the cards and the lack of discussions on their issuance will be brought up, with the government saying something on the lines of, there should be prior consultations before any important cross-strait policies are announced. 
Right. So somewhat strong words there, but uh, many legislators are saying those words aren't enough and they're calling for actual actions. Well, I mean, what action can you do? Well, one uh, KMT lawmaker is suggesting to call off top-level cross-strait meetings scheduled for next month. Uh, and, and, and so they're saying there should be actual, you know, uh, cutting off talks or cutting off uh, various relations with China to, to really signal uh, distress over this move. But that's not going to happen. No, it's, it seems unlikely. Very, very unlikely that's going to happen, basically. Uh, right. So clearly a lot of people in Taiwan are quite upset about this. Uh, Mao Jiguo, you know, saying, I, we don't understand why they did this without consulting us first. Uh, Ting, uh, what wh- what do you see here? Is uh, wh- what's behind uh, China's move in this case? Is this a new direction for cross-strait relations in any way? I believe so. It's a uh, an, an ID card, a a passport, or it it's it, it goes to the heart, the core of national sovereignty, mm. right? Um, to be able to so there's sort of two levels, as you said. There's a level of the fact that these cars are similar or basically at the same level of uh, citizen ID cards for Hong Kong and Macau uh, PRC nationals. So that's the, the one level. So the, the level of treating Taiwanese citizens, treating RC citizens as if it were, they were PRC citizens. So that's one level. The second level is the procedural level. Uh, for China to make unilaterally make these decisions, um, we know there's a lot of things that China can unilaterally do without... Um, there's nothing that Taiwan can do to stop them. But in the past, they have generally said, okay, we're going to at least let you know. We're going to at least talk about it and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, right now, this time, they just went ahead and did it. And I think there's one thing we, I could I take away from this is they they don't see the KMT administration, they don't see the Ma administration as somebody they, can, they, they need to deal with anymore. Hmm. So they say, you know what, since you guys are so cooperative in the past, you're probably just going to roll over and agree with us this, this time anyway. Hmm. Therefore, uh, we don't see a need to even talk to you. So I Since think the that's... Sunflower Movement, the Ma administration just is seen as not being able to deliver the goods uh, exactly. from the uh, Chinese perspective. Exactly. Mm. But I, my question would be, to play devil's advocate here, I lived in Beijing many, many, many years ago, and my residence card was made of paper. Mm. It was a little book, a little mm-hmm. green book, in fact, with my photograph in. Now, I'm not sure nowadays, but are, are residence permits for foreign nationals plastic, and are they IC cards now? Because if mm-hmm. all foreign nationals are issued with IC card resident permits in Beijing, then this card is technically no different to what any other foreign national gets in China. Well, I would say it's a little different because this card is in lieu of a visa that they stamp, that gets stamped on your passport, right? Because the PRC customs and immigration will not stamp anything on a ROC passport, right? They don't recognize it. They don't, they basically, to them, the ROC passport is not legitimate. They can't stamp anything on it. So in lieu of that, they issue you a a car. So this car is not technically not a residence car, but it's, it's it's in lieu of your visa, right? So now they're saying, you know what? You don't need a visa to come in. You get a residence car because you don't need a visa to come in because you're not a foreign national. And so I think that's the differentiation that we make. Well, definitely, we're going to have to wait and see uh, if there is any stronger reaction from this. Although, as uh, Gavin has said... This may be the end of the story, and it may just uh, kind of roll into effect, kind of quietly. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But that is uh, the end of international politics for today. When we come back, we're going to be bringing things back to the local. So stay tuned for that after the break. Welcome back to Taiwan this week, ICRT's weekly roundup of news from around the island. I'm Keith Manconi, joined by Gavin Phipps and Che Ting Ye. 
As promised, we're returning now to domestic politics and the Easy Card campaign, which uh, we've just been waiting to go away. Now it maybe kind of sort of will. We'll have to wait and see. But the guy that was at the center of the whole thing is uh, stepping down, Gavin. Yeah, Dai Ji Chuan, the chairman and director of the Easy Card Corporation, actually resigned this week after all the furor over his use of a Japanese porn star on the Easy Card stored value cards for charity. What also what was interesting about this he stepped down as he stepped down as the chairman of the Easy Card Corporation and the director but what also came to light is he also stood down as the director of the Easy Card Investment Holdings Corporation so he has no affiliation well it was also through me that the fact that he also was the director of this other company which is a company affiliate mm. so he wasn't just heading the Easy Card Corporation he was heading another company so he was getting technically he was getting paid twice this man. Right. And and, and part of what people are sensitive to is he was uh, worked closely with the campaign for Mayor Ko, so they saw this as a little bit of buddy buddy stuff going on. Yeah, that's why he didn't resign. Obviously that's what the the spat was about last week with him not resigning because right. they thought Mayor Kerr was going to was covering his back so to speak. But he has now resigned. Be careful how you phrase that. That could should be. Yes, should be after the yes, the special relationship claims. Anyway, moving on. My apologies for even bringing that up. Uh but uh, despite him stepping down, this may be a case of too little too late. There's more allegations coming out. There's uh, perhaps an investigation. Uh, this might not go away. Unfortunately for Mr. Dai, no, it might linger for quite a while. Because apparently there, there are reports that the Taipei District Prosecutor's Office has opened an investigation into Mr. Dai over the easy card little shenanigans and whatever was going on there. And there are claims that Dai is under investigation in connection to alleged discrepancies. These are charges of forgery, apparently he's being investigated for though the district prosec- related district- to easy card let or? me get there but it's it's forgery let me get uh-huh. that apparently okay. the claims are he's being investigated for forgery the forgery doesn't relate to the fact that it was the japanese porn star on the cards there mm-hmm. are no doubt about it it wasn't a forged photo of right. her but apparently there were discrepancies between two versions of the of course the now famous list of recipients um, of these limited edition cards yes so there was the first list which came out and was a court apparently incomplete and named several city councillors and several city government workers and then the second list came out and that was even more abridged and suddenly lots of names were taken off the list so he's now being investigated or allegedly investigated for forgery for tampering with these lists now apparently he does like i said charges of forgery this is what's being claimed by the local media here but apparently the prosecutors had simply said they are looking into allegations of breach of trust and contempt of public office okay these are related to file charges rather that were filed against Dai by taipei city councillor jong xiaoping mm-hmm. all right so this is kind of just snowballing a little bit yeah, I mean, I'm sure in a couple of weeks. And oh, also, reports say that Dai could be summoned to the Taipei District Prosecutor's Office early next month. Okay. So I guess we'll have to not hold our breath because I really can't hold it that long. I really don't <laughs> care about it that much. But, but it could something could happen next week, next month, which is technically next week, I guess, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And also keeping this uh, in the news is another assistant to Taipei City America when Joe uh, resigned earlier this week as well. Uh, after a line group message leaked uh, showing that he was apparently uh, trying to protect perhaps another person that was involved in uh, Ke's campaign, uh, maybe giving this guy a little bit of leniency 
on uh, his military uh, service, uh, his his conscription. And, and, and so this would be seen as perhaps a, a, another case of influence peddling in uh, the Ka administration. So it just kind of all raises the question, and uh, Ting, I'm interested in uh, your take here. You know, when Ka came here, we were expecting this to be a new kind of politics for Taipei, maybe uh, cleaning up uh, this a lot of stuff being just based on uh, relationships and influence. Uh, but maybe it's time to close the chapter on those high expectations. Uh, I never really believed in the high expectations myself mm. uh, because, I mean, dirty politics is not a person. Right? Dirty politics is a, a system. It's mm. a way of doing things. It's a way of life almost. It's uh, almost impossible to expect somebody to come in, just one person, and to clean everything up within half a year. I don't know because I, I think for, um, I mean, I don't want to comment on uh, the Mayor Kerwinzer himself, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people around him who, uh, you know, they're, they're going for public office, they're going for public power. Uh, it doesn't matter who was in the mayor's office, they're following the person who's going to get elected. And, uh, you know, the, once they get there, it's uh, very tempting. It's very tempting to, you know, help out your friend, to uh, give people some slack here and there. Um, so I never really bought into the hype, um, and uh, I didn't think, you know, I mean, no matter how uh, different Cohen's might seem, I don't think uh, it's... Uh, I don't think it's warranted to expect too much out of uh, out of him but of or out of his administration. Of course, he's going to come under the spotlight more, though. If if it had been a DPP or a KMT politician that simply took the Taipei mayoralship, they would be like, oh, God, it's them again. Why are they doing the same thing again? But I think it's because he, he ran as an independent. And, of course, you know, there were certain things. Oh, maybe he won't be involved in such nepotism. And now these things seem to be happening. And he's taken all these developers for yeah, just these issues. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Of course, the developers, the Far Glory Group, yeah. and everything else that he's t- he's done, is, and the people he's gone after since he's been in office since last November. He came to office, of course, looking like he was going to clamp down on this, and all of a sudden he's been not him personally, but people around him are being caught with their fingers in the cookie jar, so to speak. So which to is speak, not coming. It's making him look bad. Mm. And it's the same people who, you know, just several months before were at the other the other side of the, the table from the developers saying, mm. you know, we're the one, we're going to clean you up. We're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, take you guys out. And mm-hmm. then now they're the ones who's got their hands caught in the cookie jar. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I hope that this uh, turns sort of the Taipei, at least the Taipei citizen, the Taipei public, into something more of a you know a reasonable expectation of what mm-hmm. they can expect from Mayor Cohen's and his team. Yeah, yeah, perhaps just a, a, a tempering of expectations, but hopefully not a complete loss of hope in all ways. All right, well, moving on to our last story for the broadcast, a declaration of war has been made against those who would work to stymie gay marriage legalization in Taiwan. Several advocacy groups called a press conference to call attention to a number of religious groups that they say are attempting to gain seats in the legislature next year as a means of preventing the passage of a same-sex marriage bill. The Alliance to Promote Civil Partnership Rights, as uh, these groups are collectively known in English, is now calling on supporters of gay rights to block these campaigns. Uh, And so before we get to this particular press conference, uh, Gavin, uh, tell us about this, uh, this bill. This is something that's been around for a while. Yeah, the marriage equality bill. I mean, it cleared its first reading in the legislative year in 2013. And, you know, it was reviewed for the first time by the Legislative Judicial Committee last December. Since last December, it simply sort of stopped. 
Yeah. Because certain lawmakers from certain religious groups, shall we say, apparently the allegations say they oppose it. Right. So it's not just one political party, it's, you know, lawmakers that have certain views from certain political parties blocking the reading or review of the law. And uh, the group in question here, which uh, the uh, the alliance is uh, kind of tilting against, is the Faith and Hope League. Yes, they're quite new, Keith. They were established on September the 6th by a former KMT lawmaker, Joanna Lay. And apparently she formed this group along with several Christian pastors. And, of course, the Taiwan Alliance to Promote Civil Partnership Rights is accusing this group, the Faith and Hope League, specifically of setting out to block any proposed amendments to the civil code that could seek to legalise same-sex marriage. Right, but in response to uh, this declaration of war, as they're calling it, uh, this group says, uh, you know, we're not targeting the gay marriage issue specifically. That's what they're saying. Which could be read either way. Either they're not targeting it specifically because they don't care about it, or they're not targeting it specifically because it's one of many things they're targeting. Right. So, okay, so this uh, could perhaps uh, make this become a campaign issue uh, coming up to the uh, 2016 January elections, or maybe not. Uh, Ting, what's your take? Uh, I really don't think so. I think uh, somehow this has uh, fallen in the priority of issues for people um, in terms of the presidential election, I think um, it's uh, my my guess is Hong Xiuzhu is so far to the right of this issue that I don't believe uh, Tsai Ing-wen really has to say anything about this issue at all. Hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I think the the major issues right now for the election are uh, definitely the economy, uh, definitely um, property prices, hmm. uh, things having to do with uh, tax and livelihood. So I don't think. The gay marriage, uh, the same-sex marriage issue, is going to play a big role in the upcoming um, in the upcoming months for the the last months of the election. So the bread and butter economy issues are just uh, too weighing on people's minds too much to be worrying about these social issues right now. Yes, and of course, even after the election, when the cabinet is formed, and the, of course the legislative elections, which are running in parallel with the presidential elections. It could remain stalled in the legislature, just depending on the outcome of the legislative elections. Right. Uh, Okay, so maybe we won't be seeing too much about it on that front, although I will say uh, that this campaign, you know, they've they've made some definite uh, uh, promises. One uh, gay rights advocate campaigner said that she will begin a 28-day tour around Taiwan uh, starting at the end of this month to raise awareness of same-sex marriage and other gay rights issues. So... Perhaps some more to look from there. Perhaps it'll uh, stir things up enough that it will turn into more of a thing than we're expecting it to. But we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Well, that was the last one for the broadcast version. And we're going to end things out with a bit of research put out by a pair of Taiwanese scientists that, well, I don't need to call it silly this time around. I'm off the hook because uh, a whole lot of award committee members have done that for me, Gavin. Yes. P is all I have to say about this. Not P, as in... Well, in fact, it is. It's literally P, because according to the Ig Nobel Awards, which are given out by Harvard University, Patricia Young and David Hu, who were the, from Taiwan, they shared the physics prize this year with colleagues Jonathan Pham and Jerome Chu at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, in Georgia, there you go, for testing the biological principle that nearly all mammals empty their bladders in about 21 seconds, plus or minus 13 seconds. That's a, that's a smaller margin for error than I think probably most of us were expecting. It is, and of course, it depends how much you've drunk. 
Yeah, that's a pretty blanket statement it to is. say I mean, for all mammals. All mammals. So if a mammal drinks a lot, won't it take longer to pee? I, I would have thought it takes long. I mean, being a human and having drinking things before and realizing I've drunk several pints of alcohol and I need to pee, it does occasionally take longer. I'm not. You can't really say anything, but it does take longer sometimes. Okay, so there is clearly more to this research than meets the but eye. But it is serious, of course, because the academic paper that they won the Ig Nobel Award for was titled "Duration of Urination Does Not Change with Body Size." I do uh, like that duration of urination. The duration of urination. Yeah, yeah. Now, apparently, one asked why the Urination Researchers team paper was selected for an Ig Nobel Award. <laughs> the chap from Harvard. That's an excellent question. The chap from Harvard University replied, because it makes people laugh, then it makes them think, and it will make them laugh and think again for the rest of their lives every time they think <laughs> about peeing. It's going to change your life, this paper. It will, because every time you pee, you'll be counting. I yeah actually that's a good point. I wasn't going to until going you said now. that, you, and now you. I have to. Every time you drain the main vein, you will be counting. <laughs> uh, will will you be among those counting? Is this too personal of a question for you, Ting? Oh no, sure. Uh, I am quite curious as to. I mean, you imagine an elephant and a rat, right? Apparently, there's not as big of a difference as we would have expected. That's right, and、uh, there's not much of a difference between us and、uh, you know pigs and cows and cats and dogs and. I don't know what else is out there. So this must be an average. He must be going on average. Well, I presume he's going on average. I mean, you know, I mean, horses. Do you think that the the thing is? I mean, the the duration might be the same, but does the the intensity is the the force of you know the the the, <laughs> the stream of liquid is, is that going to be different? Right. More Because, importantly, Ting splashback. Right. Because of course, if you're an elephant, you have more splashback than a rat. Which is closer? One to would the imagine. There you、one、go. Would, there、That's、are、right. all kinds of variables that fact, they left out. Maybe we should write a paper. Yeah. Considering the. The the.、Uh, or, <laughs> or we could、uh, not write a paper and、uh, avoid the whole subject of handling animal urine. That's another、uh, possibility. Well, fi- finally, all I have to say is that、uh, I'm not surprised that this paper came out of Taiwan, given all the warning messages and all these suggestions that you get posted in the public bathrooms. That is true.、So. There, there is people, a lot of public awareness about this. People think about pee a lot here. And Taiwan, I've I, I interviewed the guy that invented the、uh, the the automatic toilet flushers. He is a Taichung native, so there you go. Taiwan has this whole area of research cornered. There you go. All right. Well,、uh, we are gonna have to leave this issue. I think、uh, much to our listeners. What's the opposite of chagrin? Relief. Much to their relief. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Okay. Didn't even mean that one. You can send us your thoughts on this week's major stories on the Facebook page or on our blog. You'll also be able to find this program online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. If you are listening through iTunes, please take a second to rate and review the show. Let us know what you're thinking and helps other people discover the program. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I'm Keith Menconi, joined as always by Gavin Phipps. Yes, goodbye. And Chasing Ye of Ketagalan Media. Thank you as well. It's been fun to be here. And thank you for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. Tune in again next Friday evening at eight thirty for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM one hundred.